0: welcome everyone. It's the Mike Tech Show, show number 877. On tonight's show, i going to talk about email addresses. And you'll understand that when I get into it. I'm going to talk about One Drive, that this was unique, running into this with a client. And I got a couple other stories from the trenches. And we're going to talk about two utilities. And one is like an aggregate of a lot of utilities. So, uh, let's get started. So the first thing I want to talk about is a client that, well, no, not a client, a friend of my wife's needed to download the ballpark app on her iPhone. So I could send and forward tickets for Sunday's game because both my son and I can't make it. We have the Sunday game plan for the Phillies, and we both can't make it. I'm going away for the weekend. He's going away for the weekend. As a matter of fact, I'm babysitting my youngest grandson, and so we're going to actually be down the shore, my wife and I, with him, as my oldest takes his oldest son and wife, and they are going to – the Metallica, Pantera, two-day concert. It's a Friday night part one at MetLife Stadium, and then Sunday night part two. So he's away for the weekend, and so we, you know, we're watching, you know, Matthew. So now I want to transfer the tickets. This is the first time that this person is downloading an app to their iPhone since they've gotten since they've got their iPhone but they're retired. When they purchased the iPhone, they used an email address from their employer of which no longer exists and they don't have access to it. And when she went and and it's tied as the Apple ID email. So you see where we're going with this story. And I coached her that you got to talk to Apple. Now, she has a Gmail account. I said, you got to get that switched. Then download that app, which is free, the ballpark app, and then sign up with your Gmail email. Let me know when that's done, and then I can send you the tickets. So a couple hours later, she called back my wife and said, Apple was really helpful, and they got her through that. She was very lucky cuz you kind of have to prove who you are and Apple's very tough on making changes like that. I thought she might even have to physically go into an Apple store for that to happen, but she got that done over the phone. That was great, but it's a warning out there. Be careful. Now this is a sad email story where and again tied to a uh, an Apple ID A client's husband passed away. He was sick for years and years. Anyway, he passed away, and this is a couple years ago. I'm going back. And they deleted all of their AOL accounts, but they did it too premature, too early, to make sure that anything the AOL account was attached to, that they still had access. And that's where you got to be careful when you're helping someone change email addresses or you're, you're deleting an email address. You got to be careful. And I always, always advise clients of this where certainly I don't want them to have an AOL email account. And if they're moving to Gmail, well, how many things are tied to that AOL account and how many things are tied to that Hotmail account maybe that you want to change or something I'm going to get into in a couple seconds about email addresses. So It was, we could never get to be able to reset that iPad, even after he passed away. Apple just would not cooperate at all. And we had no access to that AOL account. That's why I wasn't, I really didn't think my wife's friend was going to be successful. So I don't know if they've lightened up a little bit on being able to change the email address that you don't have access to because I think they just assume that the device might be stolen. And now you're going to just re-register it under a different email. Just beware. Now, something I did years ago, I knew I was invited to Gmail in the very beginning, and then I could send invites personally to people. And I made my family. My three sons and my wife, we were with Comcast at the time and I knew there was Verizon fiber on the way and, or at least there was rumors and talks about it. And I never wanted to be tied to an email account of an ISP because you never know if you're going to change and then you lose access to that. This, I am so glad. And my family's so glad because today they still use the same Gmail addresses when I invited them years and years ago, when, when Gmail first started, and they are very, very happy now that we are not tethered to an ISP that you, we could be changing. And I always counsel new clients when I look at their address and it's Comcast or it's Verizon. And I, I do offer advice about that, but you can't just turn it off. You must, you must keep it around for a while, or as long as you can, where it's possible. Maybe even have forwarding on to the new email address because you got to do your due diligence on everything you're tied to for that email address. Because it may, you may not realize it. You know, uh, it could be uh, credit card accounts or banks or who knows you know, whatever it is, you got to make sure you've changed over everything to that new email address. It's not easy. Now, as I mentioned, banks and financial institutions and credit cards with email addresses, let me wrap up this topic of email addresses With this advice, and I've given this a long time ago, and it's always part of my cybersecurity discussion whenever I'm presenting cybersecurity tips. Have two email addresses, one that you use all the time, but a secondary one that you share with no one. No one. You never use it except for credit cards and banks, because now, When your email address is compromised from Adobe, let's say, let's pick on Adobe right now, and they have a security breach and your email and password is now compromised and it will happen. It's not, not if it will happen on ABC website, whatever it is, when they have the breach, what they really want is they're going to test that email and that password against every financial institution in the world just to see if something works. And then they got you. They're in. That's why not only the second email address, and then of course, two-factor authentication, which I'm so glad everybody's really insisting upon it now. And I'm really glad to see that uh, if you deal with a financial institution that doesn't support it, change change the institution or the bank if they don't support, uh, two-factor authentication. Uh, that's just my advice. All right. So that's for email addresses. And I, I just, I deal with this so often that I just, I just have to talk about it. So a few things that we've been working on and one of them, uh, which was this week, we brought in my grandson, who is now 16, my oldest grandson, uh, Michael Michael the Third, and he has been helping us and really helping my son with some physical work and installing three different computer systems with three different clients over the last two weeks. So he's going out there. Crawling on the floor, plugging things in, helping him out, and 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 it's really good and good experience for him. Over the summer, uh, he wanted a job, and hey, why not? Why not hire him for you know some part time work with us? But one of the big things was cleaning out a data center where they organized all of the old systems and all of the drives, and him. My my son, my grandson, they pulled out all the hard drives out of all the old systems. They took the systems. We have a place where we can dispose of the hardware uh, with all the monitors. And now we have all the drives. So what do we do with the drives? Well, we have a drill press and we drill a hole through it. So that's what we we do with drives. Uh, sometimes before that, what we will do is wipe them I still use d and some other utilities that we will wipe, especially if I have to certify that it's wiped. I'll do that and then drill a hole through the drive. So we'll do a physical wipe. And so we have a stack, and that's a great job for my grandson to just take the drives out of the docks as they're, as they're wiped. So that's uh, just giving you some things that we're working on uh next, this was late yesterday. My son was hooking up a new laptop for a person that they had the we have the business, and so this is their home. So I have the small business and the husband lives on OneDrive and he has the office 365. That every system is signed in as him. So, one of the things we ran into was setting up OneDrive and a new account for his wife with her own separate Microsoft 365 login. We did that, but the OneDrive, and this is personal, not the business side, OneDrive was still married to her husband and all of his files. And we're talking 300 gig of files. So this was not easy. So I I told my son, I said, I was on the phone and then eventually I had a remote in. And if anybody has a better way of handling this, uh, I would definitely love to hear it because what we needed to do made sure he was completely signed out. And then set up everything with OneDrive, but we made one critical error. We used the same directory rather than make sure that we purged the OneDrive directory first locally, making sure there's nothing there, then attaching it. And this was even under a new profile. I'm, if I ever had to do this again, I may just wipe the system and start over with the office login and the new profile, because the, their files were commingled. Now it was difficult last night of purging all of the files that were her husband's and just keeping the directory syncing for her new laptop and this desktop that was shared. Because she wants to change a file on the desktop on one, and this is working now well, and then it appears on the laptop and vice versa, taking advantage of exactly what OneDrive can do. But here's the the big lesson, and we always try to educate everybody, and this used to happen all the time with Apple IDs, do not share Apple IDs with your kids or your clients with their kids, create their own, create their own. So you don't have to decouple things or someone accidentally gets a text message that maybe they shouldn't be seeing. So that has happened a lot. So, and the same with Microsoft accounts, the personal does allow you to share with a different name. I'll never forget the business. We inherited. Where they were all using, there was five people all using the same Microsoft account to log in. And when someone changed their background on their computer, it changed on everybody's system. And once I seen what was going on, I said, stop, stop, stop. Got to stop the madness. Let's get a business Microsoft 365 account and do this right and have it for each person. And. I We run into this a lot where people are trying to save money. You can still save money, but just share it properly if you're using the personal. Certainly, you're not going to run into this with the business Microsoft 365 because you're going to create a, st- a separate account for each person. So uh, just some of the things that we run into. And yesterday, we battled OneDrive. Where decoupling was not easy because especially with that many files, when you're, it's got to finish syncing and you don't want to sync because I don't want to delete his files and then have it sync to his account. So that was strange. And now everything's happy. We got everything syncing and, uh, we just, just had to let things settle down for the night you know, really. So, all right. What I am going to do now is I'm going to switch screens and show you, cause I'm going to demonstrate my two next utilities that I want to talk about. And let's bring up, Ooh, there we go. So it's called Pot Player. It's a multimedia player. Now, I'm very happy with VLC. I always install VLC on every system that we're touching. Same as 7-Zip. I, you know, there's a few things that we always, always, always make sure we install. And, of course, use Ninite to install it. So what I want to do now is... I've been reading about this and it's called Pot Player. It's free. They have a 32 and a 64-bit version. You know, it's interesting that they stop at Windows 8.1. I don't know how old this is, but uh anyway, it I seen some some really great reviews on this, and uh just check it out and play with it. Just an, an alternative maybe the VLC, and uh, let me know. But I just noticed this at the bottom where it has Windows 8.187 Vista and XP. That kind of makes me nervous, you know? Um, I try not to use software that offers a 32-bit version. You know, Marius, I think you're right. Uh, but you never know. See, they're supporting these old versions that are 32-bit. So, And you're right with supporting businesses, there's no way I would, you know, I I don't want to support anything below Windows 10. That's just not happening unless it's not connected to the internet. And we do have a couple systems that are in a production environment that's not connected to the internet that they need. It's actually an XP system that we still support That literally just prints checks. That's all it does. And the software wasn't made to, we couldn't even run it in compatibility mode with Windows 7 when Windows 7 came out. So it's still running. I have a clone of the hard drive in case something happens. So anyway... Uh Marius brought up a very good point though. We should question when there's a 32-bit version still, because right now we let's face it, we live in a 64-bit world and you should only be downloading 64-bit apps. Here's what we're gonna finish the show with. And that is the NER launcher. You know I always recommend some little utilities from NERSoft. And I forgot about this. It's been a long time, I think, since I talked about NERLauncher. Launcher. This is where they combine more than 200 portable freeware utilities for Windows. Some of these are just tremendous utilities that I have to use. And this is where I originally found that N- NK2 utility, which as Outlook and Exchange and everything evolves more and more, we need to use it less and less. And you know, Fab's Auto Backup takes care of that now, and making sure that you get the 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 NK2 files or they're now the Auto Stream files. Anyway, the two links for tonight is going to be the Pot Player, and then boy, it just sounds funny saying that, and the NER Launcher, and the NER Launcher link just scroll down to the bottom and how to download. And there's a download page. So we're gonna click on that and then this big button download, but beware when you unzip it, you need a password and they give it to you right there. So make sure you have the password. So what I've already have taken advantage of, I didn't wanna waste the time. I downloaded the program and then already unzipped it because it's a it's a big program so let's see how big it is and you know 56 megs 615 files by the time we're done on on you know unpackaging it so what I've done after I've done that I created on this test desktop a shortcut to the nerd launcher executable and when you click on it launches real fast it's going to populate and you have network monitoring tools. So there was password recovery tools, network monitoring tools. We'll let that catch up a little bit cause we, then we got web browser tools. So it's kind of slow populate, there we go. So we got Chrome cache view, browsing history view. Boy, I've used that, you know, uh, image cache viewer. Uh, cookies. All these utilities for Safari, IE, the IE browser view. I remember using for a client, which was great. Just going back to the history and being able to to give them all the history of everything of all their uh, uh, users' uh, browsing habits. It was uh pretty good. Uh, I've just clicked on Outlook Office utilities. And of course, there's NK2, Outlook Stat View, Attach View, Outlook Address Book View. Let's go Disk Utilities. They're, they're all separated into these categories. And there are just so many file access error. Search My Files, uh, Drive Letter View. Uh, you know, let's run this. What's Drive Letter View. So I've just launched it. And there we got all of our drive letters and let's see what some of the options are. Ooh, change, delete, open the device in regedit. Wow. Okay. Uh, see, that's one I've never even used. Uh, let's go system utilities and let's see what's there. And we'll run this on my, as we run this on my test system, uh, and now it's reading, not responding. So, Let's give this a second here. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Um, there we go. Okay. Uh, task schedule. View, disable, enable the task scheduler of Windows. Hey, let's see what is automatically running on this system. So here we got Adobe update, uh, disabled hybrid drive cache, uh, uh, Firefox background update the status. So this is cool. This will tell you when it, that this was scheduled from the registry for programs that you probably don't even realize are running. So that's a task schedule view. Pretty cool. You got to go through this. There's, like I said, over a couple hundred, a couple hundred utilities, and they're all portable. You can take this entire directory and put it on a USB stick and have it ready in case you run into anything. Here's network interfaces views. So you see my Microsoft kernel debug, and there's a Realtek PCIe gigabit controller, the IP address, subnet mask, DHCP, gives you everything that you would need. So, and yes, you could do groups of these things together with another utility, but I am sure, uh, hey, he, I've used the battery one here. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think i talked about that once there to view the battery life of a system. Now this isn't a laptop, so, uh, that's not going to help us with the battery, uh, to, see, you know, uh, it's life, you know, you can even search. Um, there's, if you take a look at, let's see here, um, uh, change the fonts on how everything's coming up. uh you can run as administrator. They even have, here we go, Marius, there's 32 bit versions you can run of this, of some of the utilities. So anyway, I wanted to go over that with everybody And do a little quick introduction to that utility and what it has to offer. Uh, just great, great website. I love Nursoft, love all of the, of the great utilities because a, they're portable and small and easy to run. And some of them can give you some great information to help you and that is it for tonight's show i hope hope you got something out of tonight really appreciate it i do want to leave with one email question and it's really for people also and i'm not sure if it's sure web something that happens and it happens to me and it's happening to clients we've whitelisted emails that We don't want to go into the spam or they've, a user has right clicked on the junk, the mail, as it appeared in junk and said, never block that again. The email shows up in the inbox, but it's got a junk tag in brackets in the subject. How can I get rid of that? Because there's no way in Outlook, Outlook's not doing it, and I think it's our email provider, SureWeb, that's doing that. How do I get them to not tag the word junk to emails for a client? And I think I'm answering my own question. That's how I'm going to freeze the support ticket that I'm going to open with them because a client has asked me, Mike, this is annoying. Help me get rid of that. And i I researched that a little bit today and I couldn't find it. If anybody can, you know, shed some light, uh, on this and, uh, let me know. And if you were a sh- or are a SureWeb client customer and you've been able to get rid of it, oh, man, tell me how I would appreciate it. Mike tech at gmail.com. That's my email address. Don't forget, stay subscribed and continue to please support the show. I uh I you know I really appreciate it. And I don't know, summer months are slow, it's hard, and I'm rescheduling because of client work and different things popping up. So just you know hang with me as I deal with everything and uh continue to get content and and get it out there. Don't forget the YouTube channel which is youtube.com slash Michael MTS. It's where I'll post all of the audio video that I record from each show. That's it. Thank you so much. See you next week. Same time, same channel. Bye-bye.